right, everyone. Welcome back to Anime Savants. I am Jordan. I'm James. And uh, we are not getting started with the news this week. We are actually going to give you some social media contacts. So if you would like more, and I mean like excessive content for Anime Savants, then you need to go to our Twitter, which is anime underscore savants. And then you need to go to our Instagram, which is Anime Savants. And we also have the YouTube channel where let's say you're looking for a particular segment from this episode, you will find it on the YouTube channel. Nice. And this is episode 18. 18, y'all. Absolutely. It, we're, okay. we're illegal in some states. Ooh. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, we are. Also, we broke 500 listens. So, you know, if you Sweet. were part of that, thank you very much. And, yeah, let's do some news. So, I guess for, like, my first thing, um, Demon Slayer is annihilating the box office. Like, I think... As of now, it is the biggest opening of any movie in Japan in history, from what I've read. So that's pretty fucking big, especially for an animated movie. Especially in the uh, COVID era as well. Yes, in the COVID era, which, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say, like, I don't know what the statutes are in Japan as far as, like, you know, social distancing if they are trying to social distance if it's something else but yeah they that movie made money and for it to be the biggest in history during covid okay that must be a really good fucking movie i mean it's the demon train arc it's it's great (laughs) i mean i don't know what that means but okay it's, it's great we're gonna well i'm gonna see soon because i'm gonna find that shit i'm not waiting until january but yeah, um, what else do I have? Oh man, okay, so um, uh, the vocalist for Conaboom is on a hiatus, which means the band is on a hiatus, which is horrible because who the fuck doesn't love Conaboom? And also, next season has so many extremely popular shows that could benefit, not even benefit, like a Conaboom opening will do them so much justice because there's so many like second and third seasons coming. So it's just like, oh my God, like when are they going to come back? And I know they had that little shit where I think the drummer quit and they had right. to get someone else. And so I'm just like, oh man, I thought that was the end of them. But I was like, I hope Homeboy doesn't have like vocal polyps. Right. <laughs> I mean, some of, these, vocal- some of these bands just feel snake bit. Ugh. I'm just, I'm nervous because, like, I really like, I love Conaboon's sound. So, you know, I, I, I hope he gets better. I hope it's nothing serious. I hope it's something where it's just like, just fucking rest. Just rest. You'll be fine. I also have, uh, what else is this? So Netflix is also partnering up with more studios. And uh, the one that I'm paying attention to is MAPPA. Um, giving MAPPA more money is good in my mind because they have really been showing the fuck up they've been showing the fuck up this year so yeah give them money netflix and make sure that it reaches the correct people too don't just don't just give it don't just give it to the upper 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 echelon people like i feel like mappa is having like the david production come up this year like, yeah. like there was a, there was a, there was like a year where like okay they did uh jojo season one you're like oh david New studio, that's cool. And then, like within like two years later, they're doing. Uh, did they did they do an Attack on Titan? No, they 
They did some other big no. stuff. Um, yeah, they but, did something else. Yeah, they they did a bunch. Well, there was a there was there was I think 2019. They had like four or five like pretty high profile shows, and I had always thought like, oh, they're going to be like a budget studio, but like, nope, they they're legit now. Oh, they did. Uh, man, now my brain is farting. Is it um one not One Punch Man? Well, they've done. They do Fire Force. Oh right, yeah, they do Fire Force. There you go. Which yeah. I mean, they're constantly showing off on that. So right, so it, yeah. so like there's you know these studios have these come ups. And I hope it uh it sticks around. Um so that's cool. I'm happy, yeah, happy to see money. Netflix putting that putting that cash where it matters. Oh, also um standing on a million lives, um the sales for the manga have fucking skyrocketed thanks to the anime. So that's always a good thing because that's usually the intention for the anime. So hey, yeah, like good shit, and I'm enjoying the show. So I'll leave World Trigger to you since you know more about that. But yeah, a million lives, standing on a million lives. And then um, the one of the things that like really caught my mind this week as far as news in general, um, and it's more like manga related. And I just, I've never seen anything like this before. So it like, I'm really surprised that it happened. But um, this is coming from the boys love realm where there is this manga called Pink Heart Jam. And it's basically about like these two college guys. Um, one guy goes to see a band play and the band's guitarist is mesmerizing and you know, whatever, shit happens. But the first chapter got released in Japan. It didn't get released officially in, you know, on globally. So like there's no official English translation. But of course, you know, it's the internet. So People are going to pick up the Japanese raw, they're going to clean it, and then they're going to slap the English translation on it and then put it on the internet for free. That happens a lot. So what has happened is the mangaka and the publishing company have come forward and said that they're releasing no more chapters now because of the illegal English translation. That's pretty wild. Yes. Like, I've never ever 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 heard of anything like this happening before and i'm kind of like surprised because I'm, I'm i'm gonna have to go back and like look up the company again because i don't know if this is like one of those companies that like strictly depends like is like a boys love company like that's the primary like you know those are the primary books that they produce so i'm kind of just like are you sure you want to like do this because the art in it was really good i had i read it like i think like a month ago and so I, of course, you know, like everybody else, I was expecting the second chapter to show up on the internet sometime in the near future, but apparently it's just not coming. And they said that they will follow up with everyone when they do. And I'm like, well, wait, don't y'all want like a little bit of money? Like you're, people are still going to buy it because if there's one thing that I know of, at least for the BL community that do all of the tra English translations before they get the official releases is that they always tell people like at the very beginning, they add like extra pages to the chapters saying, buy the material, buy the source material, please buy the source material, support them so that we can get more of this. And they caught wind of this and they were just like, nah, wrap it up. <laughs> It's over. You're not getting the rest of this story. And it was good, too. Well, I'm curious about the economics behind this because, you know, yeah. if, they, if they already spent the money to produce, you know, multiple chapters of this, of this story, 
the fact that they are either confident enough or serious enough to just throw it away um, is, I won't say like shocking, because I think more creators should think about taking a harder line when it comes to like piracy that directly impacts their bottom line. But mm-hmm. I also don't necessarily know how this works out for them financially. Um, yeah, it would, it would that's really what suck I'm thinking. To, like, to to not only lose the rest of the series for those who are you know, fans of it or interested, but then also potentially like lose the artists too if they feel like they can't make any money because everything's getting stolen and shared overseas before they have a chance to monetize it. So it's a I think it's problematic. It also may say something about what needs to happen in terms of like localization because I know that it's a big frustration for me when it comes to J- Japanese localization like for some reason they don't they a lot of these companies either they don't develop an international strategy going in or they prioritize it so far beneath the domestic release that it kind of gives this like gap uh for the secondary market and pirates to really step in and i have a feeling that a lot of series have suffered tremendously as a yes. result, but they don't even know how much they've suffered because they're not paying any attention to it. I mean, I can definitely see that in the video game realm too, because like Trails of Cold Steel, that shit, it's taken us years to get that. And I know that there are people who love that story so much that they don't even wait for the English translation of the game and they don't buy the Japanese version. They literally just go on YouTube and watch a walkthrough. Yeah. of someone translating it like they've they've translated the walkthrough on youtube so not only is falcom missing out on that money that money is going to youtube and other people yeah this is a huge problem and it was something that even though i've been involved in in game design and i've had a pretty pretty good luck with international talent and other folks like working with them um i only became aware of some of the very japan specific problems when it comes to overseas release for media in like the last couple of years, there's one one big issue that they have. It's this sort of, um, uh, and we talked a little bit about it uh, with the Galapagos syndrome, but there's another uh, challenge, which is that on the tech side, Japanese companies typically don't work with Western, whether they're European or American, um, like like software or talent. So when we talk about like localizing anything, uh, they want to do everything in house. Everything has to be in house, and I mm. my and that's also my understanding until very recently with a lot of manga. The idea of like um, like when you when you get a simulcast and you're getting those subtitles, a lot of times like subtitles are though the translations are developed by the production company and they're just included in what in the release so if you're talking about like why why is it that the dub why can't you have a simulcast dub for everything and there are some shows that that have been able to do this pretty successfully well the reason why that's it's so difficult is because a lot of these japanese companies do not work well in concert with the kind of like foreign um third party yeah well the the third party company that let's say an american uh dubbing house they're not going to have a direct relationship with the production company. It's going to come through the publisher after the series already has been released. Right. Like, yeah, in a, in an ideal world, these, you know, you'd be, they'd be, you know, doing, sending out all the scripts and everything else for 
recording the episode in Japanese and English at the same time. And a lot of them, like Western companies, they figure this out. They know how to do this. Like when Disney or, or even like when Nickelodeon releases its children's content overseas, when that episode airs on whatever their local network are or their distribution channel, you'll get it dubbed in eight different languages. And it's not just because they have more money. It's because they're more comfortable working, um, with like a unified international strategy and Japanese companies struggle with this everywhere. They struggle with it in the car industry. They struggle with it in, in like media and publication. It's why it's so difficult for Japanese language films to like get out of Japan because they just get stuck in this hell world of, uh, negotiating con, like a Jap, imagine you're a film company in Japan. You've released what could potentially be an Oscar candidate film, but you, you have a historical relationship with one American publisher and that American publisher is not prioritizing your work, i.e. you're going to wait eight months to release that overseas just because you were unwilling as a company to go find a new, a new, overseas publisher or make a new relationship whereas like western Holy companies they'll just shit. if stuff doesn't work they'll just dump who they're working with and go with somebody else so it's a whole thing Woo! yeah it's crazy so i'm so i'm i'm not shocked that this particular very small niche um bl uh work just has had so many problems that led to you know pirates and everything else getting to jump on their overseas distribution that sucks yeah well, as okay, far as like the news items on my list, um, I think for me again, World Trigger they set their uh, premiere date as January nine. I I've gone and like scrutinized some of the previews, and it looks more or less like it's you know the same production, the same production, same production, a little bit, a little bit better. My biggest problem with the anime, the first like. The first like fifty episodes was that the audio wasn't very good. Like, oh. the, I didn't feel like the music was. It was very lackluster, you know. Like animation wise, the openings were good. The openings were good, but but when it came to like really amping up sound design, the sound right, the sound design for individual episodes, like I just felt they weren't bad. They were just kind of bland, and so be, because they're keeping a lot of the same staff, it's the same uh, director. And producer, they got all this. The voice actors come back. Who I like. I think the the voice acting actually did a, a pretty good job, even because a lot of the characters there are very understated. So they they got voice actors who injected something, some amount of life into this. But what I was looking for would, was scoring and soundtrack to see if maybe they'd gone in a different direction. It sounds a little bit better, at least from my memory. Um, there's more effects, I think, uh, on this this production than there were not audio and visual. So, you know, I like the story and it's getting to the part that is more of a tournament arc. Uh, I guess that's the best way to put it. It's a tournament arc and it's my favorite part of World Trigger. So I think it'll be good. I didn't check the episode um, runtime. I don't think they're doing cores. It's probably going to be at least another uh, 24 episode block. Um, oh boy yeah so that that you know it, it it's all dependent on how the production goes yeah it, it really is because i stopped watching it i think around the was it the i stopped watching it at around when was is his name Jin? yeah Jin, where Jin um basically went against like all the a whole people. team no yeah. no it wasn't that i stopped when um 
the episode where like the main character, the glasses guy, he had that duel with one of the captains or whatever. And he lost, but the captain was like, uh, actually, like for a second there, he kind of had my ass shook. It's like I said, I think I that like it's that not episode. a it's a show that's and a manga that's very odd in the sense that it there's a lot of things that, that they don't do with the story that you would typically expect a shonen to do. And so, mm. so you know, and uh, without getting into too many details, I think that like that is one of the allures of it is that it is interesting and there's a lot of uh, complexity, but not it's not necessarily a very complicated show or power system or like once you get it, you get it. Yeah, but but I like it because that's one of my you know the one of the things I appreciate is being able to generate a lot of interesting ideas, stories moments from a relatively small set of rules or characters or art power archetypes that's to me that complexity is good complicatedness would be like there's just six million characters and they're all doing six million things doesn't necessarily mean that anything anything that any individual character is doing or is presented as is interesting and so that's why i happen to like world trigger the manga anyway is that it kind of moves along at its own pace and there's a lot of cool stuff happening. But this particular segment that they're getting to to me is the strongest part of the sh- of the story so far. So mm-hmm. I regardless of whether or not, you know, it's a better production um overall, I think that it's it will be a better showing for what makes people interested in the series. I mean, it is actually a very popular series despite having gone on multiple hiatuses i know that the uh the, oh it's a hiatus suffer well the magaka over the years has had some pretty serious medical problems um oh, the la- at the last hiatus was a result of him having to have emergency gallbladder removal surgery <gasps> and then before Ooh, that fuck. he had to take a pretty long break because of a spinal condition that seemed like at least by description was caused by like hunching over a lot which, as you might imagine, if you're... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, it was something that was serious enough that, like... I don't know if he had to have surgery, but he had to take several months off. And between that, the manga itself switching, um, uh, brand, like, publication brands. Um, oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. So there was, like, a lot of stuff that, like, conspired uh, in, like, 2014 and then in, like, 2016 and then 2018 of like just screwing things up that I, I feel like um, it's had very consistent sales and a very big fan base despite not necessarily being on everyone's lips. It's very strange. That's all I can I can describe it as. Like maybe the closest analogy was it was a Twin Star Exorcist. Like that was well, randomly I never gave that one a try. Well, it was just randomly really popular despite the fact that it wasn't like super well known. Because it was circulating in like the what you would think of as like the B or even like C tier um, Tonko bonds. So oh yeah, so that so oh. that's the thing. It's like you know, it's cool. I'm happy it's coming back. I feel low key that I will. I, I'm not. I probably won't review that one week to week when it starts up, but it'll be something that I will be watching because I happen to really like this part. So it is. Well, it is what it is. January's fucking jammed packed, man. Yeah. With a lot of returning stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff coming back. And even some of the new stuff looks good, just like this season again. So I'm kind of just like, 
Can I say something that may be heresy? Is that I'm low key not hyped for the finish of Attack on Titan. So I keep seeing that they they're saying like this is it. They're yeah, like no, no, it it, it's definitely it. And like I'm I'm I really like the series and I'm following it as it's ending now. Uh-huh. Uh But I I am not actually all that interested in seeing it animated because really with no spoilers whatsoever. I think a lot of the hype moments of the series that really resonate with people have kind of already happened and then the stuff that is going to come out oh. now is the is the part of the story that is most emotionally uh resonant and also philosophically resonant and so i don't necessarily need to see that animated if i'm already going through it well, right now that's up to the say using the soundtrack that's all that's definitely true i mean it's gonna look great i think it, i think visually it may be one of the best ever I mean, I don't know how MAPPA is able to balance this. I mean, this. listen, if MAPPA can get it right so far, because what? What if they? We are decadents with MAPPA, right? Yeah, but they're doing, decadence, but they're doing like Jujutsu Kaisen though. through that production. <gasps> oh no! Exactly. So, in a weird way, Ooh. I would actually much rather them not be doing it at all and just finish the twenty-four episodes for Jujutsu Kaisen because Jujutsu Kaisen is going to live for many, many years in active production. Um, it's gonna be the bedrock of shonen, you know, yearly. I guarantee. I think that. I I can I already have vibes that Jujutsu Kaisen is gonna like. It's it's gonna be one of those like new top. It might be the beginning of a new top three. A uh, strong belief that that's going to happen. So if you had to, to ask me which, if I had to, if I had to sacrifice the final season of Attack on Titan. To preserve the quality of the first season of Jujutsu Kaisen, I would take I would that deal in a, in a minute. Yeah. So that's I, the I thing. Would, yeah. All the biggest moments for me personally in Attack I'd on Titan longer. already happened. Yeah. I'd wait. I mean, listen, it's been a great ride. We wait. Was it what four years between yeah. season one and two? Or was it three and some change? It was a lot though. Yeah. It was a lot. So it's kind of just like, I mean, we can wait. Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, but they're in a weird situation. The manga is ending. They kind of want to strike while there's a lot of interest. They already fucked up. They already already fucked up once and let a lot of the initial hype die down because of big production mistakes, like scheduling Uh mistakes. So, like, I can understand that there's just a get this shit the fuck done kind of mentality. And they went to a production company that... um, uh, that that could do it. I mean, Ma- Mappa is capable of doing it. I'm just yeah, saying it, that, like, that as a fan, yeah. I've seen what I actually wanted to see out of Attack on Titan. Personally, I've seen it. So <laughs> if it if it has to wait a little bit you're longer, good. I'm fine with that. Like, you're not gonna shake me off the bandwagon. You yeah, know, like, either. you know, I'm trying to let's get some new bandwagons started. I up. honestly wasn't even expecting this fucking announcement for like. 2021 i know i was like oh yeah they're gonna delay that shit another year and they probably should yeah but you know it is what it is um obviously the the manga is not over so we don't know how it's going to well we don't necessarily know how it's going to end i'm sure they do i'm sure that this is you know this is written out and has been handed yeah, over. Yeah, storyboard king over there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not worried about like a weird, you know, full metal alchemist. Like we gotta figure this shit out at the end, kind of moment. No, they, they got it. It's just like it's we're at the point where the action side of Attack on Titan is mm-hmm. has to give way to the the politics, the philosophy, and the lore stuff. And to that, you don't need like there's like some. I'm not saying there's no hype at all. There's some. 
pretty hot shit that goes down, but it's not to the level of like, you know, the first time uh Aaron transforms or anything like that. It's 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 important, but the story is now much bigger than the the cool looking the action. Yeah, the action. Which is as it should be. The story should be more important anyway. So that's not a bad thing. No, okay. No. I, I I see where you're coming from though. No. I definitely see yeah. Yeah, and the, so the last thing on my list is not necessarily um uh anime related directly, but in Japan there's a esports tournament for the game Fight Crab, <laughs> which is a fighting game that, you know, you fight as crabs. I also put it. It's it's it was it was uh originally developed as what's called a kusoge, which stands for the shit game, but it but it actually has a fan base and it's kind of fun to play. Um, and so they have a they have a tournament, a 128 player tournament. But because of the very weird rules in Japan around esports and game based tournament winnings, they are not really able to pay these players. So instead of paying them cash, they're paying them in crab. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yes, in fact, they are giving the winners various amounts of crab as their as their prize. It's only partially tongue in cheek, um, because in reality, uh, you know, as the rest of the world has slowly has slowly caught up to the esports, uh, not just craze, but as an industry, caught up to like yeah. the rules. Japan has been very, very, very slow. From what my memory serves, really? you are. You are barred from uh, offering a prize for a gaming tournament over what's approximately about nine hundred dollars. So <gasps> for the winner, so this is a big problem because as as the rest of us are familiar with, we have esports organizations and tournaments and for all sorts of games where the the players are salaried. They're actually yeah. on top of whatever they're pulling from these tournaments, which is very necessary in some cases to keep their professional careers alive um they also have the ability to to earn money um contractually through large organizations which in japan are actually illegal um the reason for this is very complicated the best explanation i've been given is that um going back maybe about 20 or 25 years there were a bunch of laws that got put down to effectively um prevent companies from paying players uh to promote a game um this was to oh. avoid situations of like you know uh you you demo you're doing some kind of demonstration for the game and you're making a lot of positive claims about how great it is in a, as an effort to sell the game so they basically treat the players as an extension of the advertising campaign and so oh, to so limit like false advertising exactly so it. to limit the ability of companies to just like buy out players even like what you might think of as professional players um and use them as strict advertising Pieces to you know pro- to basically protect the in- what they think of as the integrity of of the of the industry the itself. That 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 restriction didn't foresee the rise of professional gamers, and so because that still exists oh. in Japan, they've had to come up with a lot of really weird workarounds legally as well as like promotionally. So, for example, a couple of years ago, they finally got this designation with the, what they're calling esports licenses um which co- i think companies can sponsor but it's really limit it's a limited number of people can get them so it's still not adequate for that sort of 
to be like a livelihood. Right. Like there are some, like as we are all familiar with, there are players who are playing games that may not necessarily themselves be very lucrative. And so their lifeblood is the tournament scene. But if they can't earn, if those tournaments are unable to offer prize payouts that could justify, say, a player um, traveling across the country in order to compete, then the game itself is likely to not be able to support a professional scene in Japan, which is a problem when you start to think that internationally some games can get very big, but then that puts Japanese players at an extreme disadvantage because they have no locals, right? Whoa. Yeah. So all of this is to say that, like, while it's a joke about, like, the fight crab game giving away people, giving crabs away, they are actually not the first uh, gaming tournament to offer literal crabs as prizes. Um, this is not the first. And they're not the first, actually. There, it's it's happened at least two other times, and the the reasoning for those other ones was not a joke. The actual uh, uh, <laughs> seafood the that they were given could on? be resold for more than they were allowed to offer as part of their prize packages. Oh my god! And the and the all the other thing I think is worth mentioning is that. In Japan, it's actually very difficult for companies to sponsor uh, tournament series. And for those of us who are really into the fighting game community, Street Fighter V has suffered immensely inside of Japan because almost all the big sponsorships for Japanese players have had to come from companies that are outside of Japan. So like Daigo, who's very well known um, for a variety of reasons, uh, both as a meme and as a uh, high-level player even going into his 30s, He's mm-hmm. primarily sponsored by Mad Cats. And if you think about that, that oh. makes zero sense. <laughs> that does make no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. So it's a joke on one end, but it's also a microcosm of a lot of other problems. And I think there's like a trend of some of the stories we've covered about Japanese businesses being very uh, disadvantaged when they try to work overseas because of their own practices. And their own laws. So, you know, it's not just manga and BL stuff getting the shit end of the stick. It's also pretty much everything else. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. I know. All righty. End of news. Okay. Fire Force. Great episode. Um, listen, I don't, man, this was a lot for me. <laughs> this was a lot for me. I'm not going to lie. This is some unhealthy shit. Okay. <laughs> this is not good. This is not good. I enjoyed the episode. I just want to say that. This is the first of all. I just want to highlight Haumea. She's officially Spider Woman. Haumea is just like, cool. She's cooler here than she is in the in the manga by a lot. Really? Yeah. Now again, like I'm not doing the thing where I go back and reread as it happens, but I do not remember the a scene the, or the scene that they included where it was her and Charon when she was like a a, a kid. Yeah, a um, kid, yeah. But that was, like, super fucking endearing. <laughs> like, for a psychopath, like, I thought that, including that scene, um, I don't know, I just feel like the, 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 they're humanizing a lot of these characters. Uh, yes. That I don't remember, I don't remember that much work going into it, because, like, Charon got a hero moment, a big time hero moment in this episode, despite the fact that, like, so far he's the strongest adversary, uh, that the, um uh eighth squad has like come up against directly um yeah like crazy shit uh so yeah and then the only thing i really remembered was the nataku Corono relationship being central to like 
the end of this little mini arc and they did a good job with that but i didn't remember like all this how may i got a lot of shit going on man that (laughs) the fact that she literally saw caron like maybe dying in front of her face and she was like i deal with it that's true i'm going home well everyone was like oh wait we're fucked but that also shows you how crazy they all were right like oh my god inca (laughs) I swear to fucking God, I cannot stand that. She's only been here for one season. I can't, not even a full season. I cannot stand that character. I mean, but listen, could, listen, Okubo, you, you did it. You did it. I like it. But God damn. Like, even her shit where she basically was just like, oh, yep, I already know what's in store for his future. And I'm just like, what the? Well, she's so a, your power she's a has bitch. evolved? Like, She's a, she's they, they, I think maybe what is like so crazy for me with this most recent arc is like they're highlighting the, their craziness. Yes. Yes. Like yes. a lot. That's actually like, the thing I like the most about what they've done and what Kubo, uh, Okubo did with like the entire cast of villains is that they're all insane, but they're all insane in very different ways. And in, yes. and in fact, the it's the pillars who are all crazy. But the yeah, because Ritu Ritu basically was like, um, we gotta go. Yeah, all the guardians are just true believers, and in fact, if you take away like the the what it is that they actually adhere to, which I guess is its own kind of insanity, if you if you want to think of it that way, like they're yeah. they're all kind of normal. Like Charon just like really wants to take care of all of the all of the pillars, and that's all he thinks about is like how to do that. Now, obviously, he is a raging psychopath. At, we've seen this multiple in times. In his own way. Right, but yeah. there, but it's also kind of humanizing and endearing the, the, the lengths and the sincerity that it's clear that at least those characters really have towards what they think of as like their duty. Obviously their duty is going to resolve in like millions of people dying, but like, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is as we, as we, as we learn from our own commander chief, it is what it is. Oh my God! In other news, <laughs> ugh. So yeah, ugh. I really liked I I like this episode for a lot of reasons. Um, first of all, you got to see more of Corona's powers. That's sick. That fucking sword he pulled oh out. Oh my God, that sword! And I and also it was it was it was good for everyone to recognize that like were it not for Caron just busting out like a moment, everybody there was dead. There was yes. no, there was no like, you know, power friendship. There was no anything. That kid freaked out and was, and would have destroyed <gasps> everything there. Oh, speaking of power friendship, I got something to say later. Oh boy. Ooh, put a, put a, put a, put a, put a pin in that. Okay. Let me we'll, we'll remember that I got, one. I got, I got, I got this shit right here. So. Some of y'all are idiots. <laughs> okay. Um, Love to hear it. So, um, honestly, I legit. <laughs> Cause I, <laughs> I legit said, "What the fuck about to happen? Is Benny Morrow gonna show up?" Because right. like, well, I don't see you getting out of this shit. And then Caron had a big moment that I did not expect him to have. But also, I just want to say, whenever anime, whenever something goes, whenever something touches the moon, that's not a good thing. No, it's never a good thing. No, it's not ever. <laughs> it's very ever. bad. In every anime where the moon has kind of been like a partial casualty of something, I'm like, this is foreshadowing in the future. That's a problem. Yeah, it's usually bad news. Uh, I yeah. wanna, I do also want to give a shout out 
um, to uh, Okubo again for making a pretty solid commentary on the way in which children are treated in certain, I guess in this case it's Japanese society, but broadly that Nataku's problem was, was highlighted in this episode as being the result of years and years and years of adults pushing their desire for success and perfection onto their children. And even though it's not 100% obvious, if you go back like, you know, three or four episodes, um, because he, I mean, they, they not only foreshadow it, but they talk about it, oh, you know, over the course of this arc, but like Rekka, the, the Rekka, uh, uh, ghost in his brain is not mm-hmm. the source of his challenges. It's actually just no. a manifestation of the other things that happened to him before. And it was this line of adult after adult after adult after adult in his life pushing a kind of not just perfection, but like this relentless, uh, I would call it positivity, except it's not coming from a good place. But like toxic this, positivity. Yeah, toxic positivity onto him. Mm-hmm. Who, and he's just a child. And maybe he was he was exceptional in other ways before he got, you know, magical superpowers vis-a-vis the show. But you could take that story that they told about how his parents constantly used, you know, his his success as a hammer against him to undermine him when he inevitably as a child failed or didn't live up to expectations and everything else and it's all really just a metaphor for that concept of of learning how to live within your means as a child it's okay to not get things right it's okay to not necessarily be ambitious yet or not know what you want to do i felt like that line when he was repeating um like what his what his mother was saying to him back and his face turned into a robot um just you know yeah. constantly saying i can do it i can do it is kind of heartbreaking in general even outside of this story so i just thought it was like a really good moment and narrative to continue and the fact that its resolution was even the most brutal adults in his life essentially accepting that he can just be a kid like it's fine okay <laughs> in so a twisted just, way but it's fine i yeah, so the twisted manner in which they got to that conclusion is what <laughs> made me... The entire time I watched it, I basically was just like, this is some fucked up... This is a child going through all of this stuff. And I'm just like, I don't even know how you can fix someone like that. Well, you can't. I think the uh, like, what the point that Charon made, weirdly enough, is that all the pillars are insane. Every one of them is batshit crazy. Even Shinra. Even yeah. Shinra, even more yeah. than most. Like, it's funny because his Shinra's paired up with Arthur, who is portrayed as having like ridiculous delusions, and those delusions are tied to his power, but Shinra is exactly the same way. It's exact, they are the same character. <gasps> oh, shit. It's the same character. Shinra is desperate to want to be a, to be, to be a hero in his own mind, but the world created a demon out of him. And so, like, all of his, like, psychological hang-ups, like, his weird tick of, like, smiling in a very demonic way and everything else is just, like, is identical to Arthur's, like, delusion that he's the knight, he's a knight, or he's a king of the knights, or all that other shit. Like, it's just crazy, insane self-projection. Um, 
And Jesus, you're right. Yeah. Oh fuck. So all the pillars are are fucking crazy. But Charon's point was like for ninety nine percent of people, Corono's like uh weird logic about like it's okay to be for you to remain weak, you're just a child, like stay as you are. Ninety nine percent of people, that's not gonna work. But in this one percent case, it's exactly the thing that Nataku needed to hear from exactly the right person. Yeah. Because Corono is absolutely insane. And that's the thing. That's the crazy part about it. It's just like, wait, so his insanity is balancing out his insanity. Exactly. And thus, he is his protector because he's basically the only one that can stop him from being a fucking walking nuclear bomb. Correct. And also, Corono doesn't actually, like, care about killing him or hurting him. Like, because he's crazy. I don't think... I, yeah, the, I don't think Corono cares about him at all. No, to be honest, not even except remotely. Except for he, I felt like what Corono said to him is exactly what he meant. Yes. Stay weak. Yeah. Because I a, want to continue beating your ass. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That is exactly what I got. I, like, I did not get a sentimental, like, you, just stay weak, man. Like, you know, you need to live your, you know, just like live your life as it happens. Like, you're going to get stronger. But there's nothing wrong with being weak. No, you meant stay weak because I actually enjoy beating the shit out of you. Yeah, because that and that's his. That's what he believes. And I think that that is perfectly sort of the the the, the point that Charon makes is then it's twisted. Is as fuck. is is twisted. Then what Corona says is even more twisted. And then uh, Shinra's realization in the meeting with the Hijima president that all of the Eighth Company are his protector, right? That then is a is a much more palatable way of thinking about the air quotes power friendship in you know in a shonen than mm. some of the other ways that it is presented because it's not as if it's literal, right? Well, like honestly, I feel like Shinra considering the eighth as his protectors. I feel like that's kind of like a downside. Yeah, no, it, it is to in a lot the of ways. other pillars because the, if the other pillars, well, first of all. They're on different levels of insanity yes. than Shinra. So I already know if Ritsu dies, Inka ain't going to give a fuck. She basically going to be like, okay, so who's protecting me next? Correct. But it's not a two-way Shinra street has, at all. Yeah, it's not a two-way street. Same with Haumea. She made it very clear. Oh, yeah. She, she made it clear several episodes. Where she even yes. like told Karen to, to fucking kick rocks and then started yes. torturing the other one. Like, started torturing Arrow, right. So I feel like that's a huge weakness for Shinra where I'm like, you have multiple protectors that you actually care about. Yeah. And if they, someone ends up putting their life on the line for you, that's that's already a depression arc training thing in the making right there. Like, that's a weakness. Well, one of the things that they, they brought up a lot, and I think it will, I mean, I know it will, but it, it, it becomes more and more of a central issue later, is that the source of a lot of these powers is Adola. And as we've already been told, in some ways Adola is a re- that world is really just a reflection of human belief and desire. So, if you step back a bit, it's a similar concept to what you see in a lot of sh- shonen shows where it's the idea that your powers are somehow connected to like your will or some like collective will or anything. I mean, there's a whole lot of like interesting metaphysical ideology stuff that's like rolled into there or philosophy uh-huh. but like it, but leaving that to the side there is some benefit for someone like shinra to both acknowledge and be acknowledged by the eighth as a 
like a conglomerate rather than like individuals looking after him because if collective will creates power and may even shape the world that they're in then having large like shinra's shinra's character as it's been presented so far is itself a metaphor for like how cultures and large groups of people sort of place their their hate or their love into in, you know icons so you can imagine a situation where that is a big benefit for him powers wise if that makes any sense um, having large groups of people. So anyway, it's a whole... It, I like the idea, and I think they explored a lot of it in this episode. All right, then. Um, what do you want to do next? Let's uh, we can run over 100 million lives. Okay, yeah, let's do 100 million. So in this episode, we see the gang trying to figure out how to deal with this quest where they got to walk... Well, seemingly got to walk uh, to the other side of the continent, and then they figure out that that's impossible... They need some horses. Like. <laughs> EU gets kidnapped. Yusuke's like, fuck all this noise. I'm going to go win some horses uh, on my own. The rest of y'all bitches can kick rocks, do whatever the fuck you want to do. This doesn't make any sense. The quest didn't say everyone's got to live. The quest just said we gotta g- someone's got to get to that spot. Someone has to get there. The, the, the girls then immediately get captured because they're worthless. And <laughs> uh, we meet uh, a new character. Was it Cosvel or Cavell or something like that? Cavell, the yeah. Cavell the Knight, and who's also an insane person, um, trains him up. Which I loved. Oh my god! Right? Yep. Tra- <laughs> gives him a little bit of training. They go back. He basically convinces uh, the the knights to go kill all the bandits since he can't. Apparently, they can't fucking kill people or hurt people, even in self defense. Is- okay whatever those are the rules um (laughs) (laughs) and then he helps her murder a giant berserker get everyone back together and then they you know move along so if it sounds like that that summary is boring the episode itself was actually very very good (laughs) (laughs) it was very good i agree uh I i would say that like we learned a whole ton about many characters um, there were a whole bunch of trope subversion moments uh, that went down, and I felt more than ever that the show itself is walking a line between an outright comedy, but then also like a horrible, horrible death game. Like, and not in the sense of it being a bad show, but like just terrible things being possible. Could happen. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and but but for some reason, it's played completely straight, uh, which. For now. For now, which, which works in an awkward kind of way. Like, if you look at the, the, the game master with his like weird, uh, verbal patterns, the head, you know, head missing, the Japanese game show vibe stuff, you would think that like, okay, is this trying to be like jokey so that it becomes more creepy? It doesn't really go either way, right? Like it's, sometimes it feels like it's a total joke. Sometimes it feels super creep can't really tell um same goes for like uh yusuke getting fucking owned by kavel in the fight like one-shotted just loses immediately <laughs> yeah the- <laughs> like the scene over and he come back his neck is fucking sliced right like it's actually if you go and watch that that clip it's the comedic timing in that clip he basically he basically like walks off screen from the other girls uh they talk a bunch of shit about him then it transfer it, it it hard cuts into the tournament where he's like, all right, let's go. I'm ready to do this. And then he's immediately one-shotted 
Like, <laughs> and, and you see, like, his body, like, cleaved in half. And he's like, oh, I'm fucked. This is terrible. And then Cobble's like, man, it's a good thing you heroes come back to life because I would have been really assed out if you'd been dead. And I was like, but she said it very earnestly. It was not a joke, but it was, like, played timing-wise completely comedically. So, I I mean, I, I'm enjoying it. I think it's really funny. I feel like the comedy definitely has taken a step further after Yuka joined the team. Absolutely. Because she's just so, she's so full of shit now that I think about it. I'm just like, girl, you always got something to say about somebody else, but you, you can't, you can't even help. Like, I'm trying to think, what would you even, like, I know people kind of like her in real life, or at least I knew them when I was, like, in, when I was in, like, uh, high school and even some, a little bit in college. There were some people who were, like, they were socially awkward, but, like, they wanted to, to have friends and fit in. But no matter, like, whatever they did, they would do it too excitedly, and also there'd be really nothing behind it, right? Like... I don't Ooh. like I like I, I don't, don't know, know how, to, how else to describe that. that. But like I've met yeah. people like this. I've worked with people like this. There was a guy really? there was a guy at my job, uh I used to work work for the army of all places. And there was a guy who was uh the one of like the media the media production people, but he was a person who was like my, my age in 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 our twenties and it kinda like fallen into that job um because his mother worked there and so he was definitely a big time nerd definitely someone who had an active mind but he wasn't like what i would call interesting in any meaningful way so we would have like we would have like conversations where it would be uh, you know like he's really into whatever we're talking about and really excited but then like after the conversation is over and you go review everything you talked about you're like this guy's kind of full of shit and also boring as fuck So I feel like that's her character in a way because she gets real I, amped up about stuff and then like or has very strong opinions about like other people and you know oh we're the only good ones and then like you like <laughs> not only is she weak and worthless but like also she's a shit talker and a bad person. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Um, as far as like Eo Eu and Kasue. Eh, Eu's like backstory. I literally was watching the episode, and I did. I don't think they they said what happened to the girl in the previous episode. But I literally said out loud, "I was like, man, it'd be fucked up if that girl committed suicide." And then literally the, the first next thing, text. the first <laughs> thing you find out. So that's what I'm saying. That's that's fucking serious. Yeah, like I was like, oh, oh fuck. Okay, well, we are getting very serious in the beginning, but also it's it's like it jerks me because. That whole thing with like Eo, Eo and Yusuke in the beginning where she poured her heart out and he was like, nah, we don't have to go say Yo, that's her. my nigga and there I, for real though. Maybe I, legit, I think that's like, why I like the show. Because <laughs> he doesn't dropped. give a like, fuck. Wait, what are you talking about? Because m- the first thing I went through is those bandits are going to rape her. Yeah. They're going to rape her. And I'm not talking about they're going to rape her until you save her. Like They're going to rape her for 35 her days. For 35 days, she could be raped, which, of course, it didn't happen. But, like, that's immediately where my mind went, where I was like, oh, you're a piece of shit. And it's even man. worse like, than that because doing? they wanted you to think that that was a possibility. And they yes. even played that yeah. as a joke. Like you, yeah. you get the whole like <laughs> oh lick lip in, like oh, we're gonna get some of this, and then you cut away to like Yusuke, you know, getting his ass whooped, and then they come back, and it's like actually the bandits got fucked up because they can still use like the magic at close range, 
So it's just like they're too weak to escape, but they also can't be raped. So, but it was like exactly. a joke. Exactly. <laughs> it was a joke because I laughed when they threatened them with their weapons from inside the bars. Right. I was like, you can't do it. You, you three are useless. Right. But in a way, like the world they're in is a game. Like yeah. it is very much like not a like bad things can happen to you. It ain't a serious place. It's not serious. <laughs> Because, like, the bandits locked them up. They're like, these people are weak. We can keep them locked up. They don't care. They have their weapons because they're not designed to care. They don't give a shit. But then they still have thoughts that, oh, I can rape these girls. Like, that's a, that's a, that's a thought that they had. And theoretically, if they were level one, they probably would have done it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, with, um, Cabell, the, the just the out of the, out of the, out of nowhere, like, monologue of, like, the reason why I became a knight is because I don't want to be a fucking housewife. Yeah, blah, 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 and then blah, she's blah. also like, she's like going crazy, like bloodlust. Like, <laughs> I love carving flesh. I'm like, right. what is this? And she's not like overpoweringly good either. She's just like, no. <laughs> just a crazy she's, person. You know what? You said it perfectly earlier. This is literally like Konosuba, but the opposite. She's like darkness because darkness is like. She is there to literally like get hit. Like she's right. a masochist. Like she wants to get hit and she loves that shit. This bitch is the same way. Not to say that she like she loves she loves to do the hitting, but she's not necessarily the strongest. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like edgy Konosuba with like, you know, little hints of I feel like there's something deeper going on. Oh, there's obviously something something real shit happening under the covers yeah. here. Yes. Because now one of the things that I thought of is like, well, now that Cabell's with them, I was like, she's an NPC. Right. So she can't die. Right. And we already established there's like a big time dilation, you know, whenever they leave the game and come back. Yeah. So like, I'm wondering like, well, what happens if they're on this quest, Cabell dies, and then when they come back into the world... Like the world state, like the world continues to move on, right? And then the other NPCs are less likely to help them because of Cabell's death. Yeah. So the and only that thing, with the remainder, of but she's quest. you know that she's in the opening, right? Yeah, she's in the opening. So it's yeah. like, are they gonna just like peace out on that character after a couple episodes? Or I doubt it, I right? Mean, like, I mean, if you listen, you well, never fucking. You never fucking know, man. Because no. listen, man, Jujutsu Kaisen, I thought. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And man. we'll we'll get we'll get right to that. The only thing I wanted to bring up that I had thought about after I watched the episode is that, like, in a in a fucked up kind of way, I think EU is in the wrong show. Like, yes, I agree. I think I think the character is just in the wrong fucking show. The first couple episodes, I'm like, okay, she's kind of got like. Cinderay vibes, but like there's some depth there. She's kind of fitting in with what's going on. But then when they added that the the otaku girl, and like after this episode, I'm like, yo, honestly, everyone else is a real, uh, you know, honestly got piece of shit. Now if it turns out that like <laughs> she's fucking everyone over, like oh man, if she's the villain, I'm totally with it. Totally with yeah, it. Yeah, because we honestly didn't see. Her dialogue with the game master after a certain point. Yeah, we don't know what's going on with her. She just showed she up like super original. weak. I don't want to like. I don't want to liken this to another show that I think is great. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say anything and spoil. Wait a minute, it's been out for a long. Roka no Yusha. That's all I'm saying. I I got worked. Oh boy. 
Like, I got worked in Roku no Yusha, and my level of hatred for a particular character there uh, knows no listen, bounds. Listen, you're not the only one. Right. I feel like we were supposed to do something on Roku. We no really, Yusha. we should, really should. We need to, we need to get that. So, out the so way all because... I'm, all I'm gonna say is that oh. I, I want to be worked by this character. I want to believe. And then yeah. I want my heart ripped out of my chest so that I can experience the anger that I experienced before because it's a good kind of anger. It is. It is a good kind of anger. It's it's a the kind of anger that I want to experience from a medium. Yes. Not like from actual real life. But but also again, I just appreciate that Yusuke was like, "Fuck this bitch." They were like they literally said like <laughs> she just I was listening to her pour her heart out to you. He's like, "I never said that." I didn't care. I just said that uh, the quest said one <laughs> at least one person has to get there, right? So you know, he's like, I'm more than willing to die for her or y'all or whatever because I think y'all are tryhards. That's basically what he said. He's like, yeah. He's like, you know, people who try harder than me, I, I actually respect that. So like, yeah, I would totally put my life on the line, but I'm also not a fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> so that was great. So I'm enjoying this episode. The, these episodes. And I have no idea if I will wind up liking the series at the end, but like it's working for me right now. So yeah, it's entertaining. Right. So speaking of uh, traumatizing, <laughs> holy yeah. shit! Jujutsu Kaisen so, episode four. Yeah. So I just want to say this shit moves. I did not expect for what happened to have happened. So early in the episode, like I, I almost fell out of my chair when the special gray curse showed up. Like, and there's video footage of it too, but I'm not here to fucking advertise that. I'm here to say that this shit is fucking wild. The fact that they already threw the clash of ideals in our fucking face when uh, Yuji was like, yo, we got to take the body back. And I'm like, no, the fuck you don't. Like, y'all are in a domain domain. Shit clearly ain't right. Like, something's not, some, something's not right. And I'm like, no, don't go. Don't do this, like, dumbass protagonist bullshit. And then Megumi is quick to check his ass and was like, this guy was a piece of shit in real life. Fuck his body. And then he was like, also, you need to really think about your like ideals for saving people. And I'm like, damn, we already getting to this shit already. Like, what the fuck? And then Nobara's in the background doing her shit. And I'm just like, <sighs> and then all of a sudden, shit, shit just starts to immediately hit the fan. When Nobara like went down into like the whatever, the little like alternate domain, I thought that her, like, she got mauled or something. Like, I thought the bottom half of her body was gone. <laughs> because yeah, that was a body, we, you just saw body horror. So you're like, oh, well, <laughs> now we know which one dies. Yeah, I'm just like, uh, so she's gone, but she wasn't gone. She honestly kind of didn't get that much of a showcase this episode, which I'm, whatever, I don't really care. But. <laughs> well, I mean, she got to have her fun last episode. The. I just want to highlight also the music in this episode is extremely typical of horror in general because of those fucking violins and the minor keys and the tritones. <laughs> you always do it. All of you fucking sound, all of you, all of y'all do it. 
and I know it's part of the genre, but oh my God, every time it takes me the fuck out. The fact that, I don't know, this, this episode was really, 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 really fucking good from just the display, um, of the power levels. It was just so, it was so in your face and just like, it was a, it was a reality check. It was like a hardcore reality check, like very quickly when Megami was like in the domain and he summoned that bird. When the bird's talons went around his shoulders, I was like, oh, that nigga gone too. (laughs) Like I thought the, I thought the curse had caught up with him was like, fuck you. Also, the bargaining with Sukuna and Sukuna basically being like, I don't give a fuck of what <laughs> happens Bitch, I will you. kill you and your homie. <laughs> I will kill all you niggas. You think I'm a savior? His first <laughs> words when he was out, out and about in the real world were, were a threat to kill all the women and children nearby. And, cho- <laughs> and he stuck to that shit. I legit was just like, uh, uh, wait a second. So no, so this isn't even going to be a like hey you work with me i work with you kind of shit no sakuna literally is like i don't need you listen all the all the uh kaisen fans out there they know we all know fucked up shit happens to a lot of people a lot of people all the time (laughs) everywhere if you are a person who's saying to yourself well this shows the new hypeness but i'm not sure i could deal with horror listen this is some shit this is some shit Okay, like I remember back when like uh, what Bleach was airing and they're on like the first mm-hmm. few episodes. I'm like, man, it sure would suck to get devoured by a fucking hollow. Like, you know, this seems like a bad way to go. Nah, bruh. Nah, there's some absolutely god awful deaths. God awful deaths in this series. Oh my God. The oh worst. God. Like there, you know, Gojo was correct uh, in the beginning, which is. Oh, the way the manner of death. You, you, you should be happy that your fave, if you happen to have a fave that is is uh often this ser- in this series, you should be happy when they die normally. Okay, should be you should be pleased and excited because the way some people go out and the way you can go out very casually, fucking sucks. What? Oh my god! What? It fucking sucks. Like there were times I'd be reading chapters where I'm like, "Man, I'm so happy this isn't real." Oh my god! No. So listen, I'm gonna stick it the fuck out. I'm gonna do this, okay? Because this is some good shit. Yeah. And also, Sakuna did give like a little bit of a, a teaser, basically being like, these people honestly don't even understand what curses are. Right. And I was like, uh oh. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? So, if we like quickly run down the episode, we had the squad showing up at the detention center. Um, we learned a whole bunch about like uh, how Jujutsu sorcerers actually interact with the rest of the world. So, this, mm-hmm. this whole like dummies explanation of, curse grades and veils and then you kind of see how they're able to uh separate the public and sort of keep them from knowing what's going on saying there was a gas leak you get inside and they are immediately trapped in a domain they don't really fully explain like in this episode like what domains are but it comes up twice uh in the same episode but bottom line is that they're in a 
an area that does not physically correspond to whatever the fuck is going on in the real world. We have um, a reappearance of one of Fushiguro's um, Shikigami clones, a good good doggy. You know, such a good doggy gets Man, his, good doggy got gets fucked. his head chopped off like instantaneously and embedded in a fucking wall. Um, like Nobara gets taken away, almost dies. Uh, I think she she was just in a situation where her power was not like a good match for yeah. the curses that show up. Now they th- it was also sort of off screen in the manga as well but i actually think it's something oh. that like if you're a watcher that it's worth paying attention to the fact that it's not just about like how strong you are it is really about the matchup between your ability and like whatever your opponents or the curses or anything else have oh. up their sleeve and that's this why is, they're like you could go out at any time exactly and it's the reason why i always likened it and like when i was reading it to more, closer to uh hunter hunter than to something like Either a Bleach or um, uh, Dragon Ball or My Hero or anything else that yeah because because really it's more about the matchup of the abilities and the creativity of the people who are using them than it is like raw power like Nobara canonically is actually really really strong like really strong but if she's in a situation where like her abilities just don't match up well like for example she was in a situation where there were just lots of curses. So because she was limited on nails, she was fucked and very nearly died. Uh, Fushiguro is the same way. Like his Shikigami abilities, even in what you've already seen, like we got the, the two dogs, we got the eagle, we the got snake. the snake, we got the frog. Frog. Like they're, they, all of these are just tools and he obviously has more tools, but like the way he uses them has to just be a good match with, you know, the situation that he finds himself in. Because even in the first episode, we saw him get like physically bodied by, uh, a curse because the thing about most of his abilities are that like he could do a lot of projection but when it comes to hand to hand like he can only really engage one at a time and at that point i think he kind of threw himself in the way of some shit and then he was just he was fucked right yeah it's real easy to go down uh against even a weaker you know curse a weaker curse now there are some characters that are so absurdly overpowered and not in the sense of like you know they're superman shooting eye lasers nothing can touch them literally the qualities of their abilities are so insane that you're like oh well fuck that i give up like i don't don't know (laughs) i don't know what i'm supposed to do in a situation like this but they're but they're not but they are creative like in the way that it's presented. Oh, so I think okay. that this episode Ooh, is. Oh, this a, gets me excited. Yeah. So this episode, I think, actually is a great introduction <laughs> to a lot of that, and it continued the theme that has been basically true from episode one till now. Every single episode. Well, except again, maybe not episode three, but the first two episodes and this one, when Itadori is constantly having his uh, motivations challenged and refined, yeah. constantly getting broken down. And to be built back up again by the circumstances he finds himself in. And also, even though he is literally OP, he's got Sukuna in there. Like, you always know, like, that's the trump card. Realistically, he could die at any time. Like, he has to. I can see that. Because he would have to, like, if he's facing an ability where he can't concentrate enough in enough time to switch... Given all of his other weaknesses and the fact that he doesn't really understand jujitsu sorcery at almost at all, like he is in constant threat. So it's a great way of like creating an overpowered main character that has like break moments that everybody can get excited about, but then at the same time, like pushing that character into a world where they could die instantly 
in horrible ways in which all of their ability does nothing. Right? Remember how physically strong he was in the first episode and everybody was complaining? Yeah, that doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean a goddamn thing. Oh my god. When he got hit through the fucking concrete and his body just hitting the ground, yeah. you could hear the bones cracking. Right. This is actually what I was saying about that first episode and like how I had friends who were like, oh, I don't want to watch this because he's already strong. I'm like, yo, the fact that he is like as comically, mm-hmm. ov- physically overpowered compared to regular people is almost 100% irrelevant when it, it comes to <laughs> the lowest level shit that he would have to deal with. Like... It actually makes the fact that the other Jujutsu sorcerers are not as physically strong as him more impressive in what they're able to pull off. Like, he is freakishly... And they've been at it long. Yes, he is freakishly durable, and he can jump and he can run. But, like, if you're facing something that could literally divide your, you know, your body into 18 pieces by looking at you, what the fuck difference does that make? <laughs> Great, nigga, you jumped. Fantastic. That means your legs are going to be sliced. Right. So a lot of cool stuff. We had the showdown with the uh, with that that uh, the newly born curse. Um, Fush- Which, honestly, I also felt, I was like, hold on a second. Because Sukuna was making fun of him, and he was like, you're special grade, yeah. too? So there's the levels to this shit. And- yeah. I was like, <laughs> clearly, clearly there's something else going on, because Sukuna mopped that motherfucker. Did you like when like uh, Sukuna came out and his first reaction was like, okay, come with me. We're going to go kill all the people. Yeah! <laughs> oh my god! Like, he was ready. He was like, alright, here we go. And then the nigga tried to shoot was- him in the back. He was like, oh, it's going to be like this. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. The fact that he came out, he was like, man, fuck this little kid. Man, he yeah, he's like, what's the first thing outside? I'm going to do? Oh yeah, kid. what would make him upset the most? Let me just go kill all his friends. Let's just do that. <laughs> And then he like healed one hand and he was like on, ac- on accident. Yeah, and then the guy to. tried to kill him and he healed the other hand. He was like, God damn it. I was going to leave him with, <laughs> with like no fucking hand. Which I honestly was, as soon as that shit started happening, I was like, whoa. So we're just going full force on the gore. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just like, we're hitting it. And this is episode four of 24. So if body horror is not your thing, I'm just talking into <sighs> the general public. If body horror is not your thing, you may have some problems with this series. You, you, like, you may have some problems. And, and for those who think that it, they're cool with it, I mean, you kind of got a, a little bit of a taste of like a human meatball today. It's not like it gets much better than that. Like if you were on that last, the last arc of a uh, hunter hunter and suddenly you were like, I'm kind of not comfortable watching people getting chewed up into bite sized snacks by, by, horrific monsters like this may not work out for you just saying it's a lot yeah it was cool a lot of cool stuff next week we get um some some 1v1s with sakuna oh yeah we also got like we saw his domain um but they didn't really explain that like was it what was it not it was a throne it was like demonic curse shrine or something like that yeah yeah shrine yeah yeah yeah. they didn't really explain very much here it's interesting but that's in the opening yeah like well the only thing i was curious about is because in last episode they actually shifted some material that's from one of the most recent manga chapters and included a bit of it way earlier than they did you know in the original the stuff with um nobara's backstory with uh um the girl was it sai something i forget what it was but like oh that wasn't in the first no no she mentions that like she 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 kind of has like some comments offhand about how 
the people in the in the country are really bigoted and shitty and she had to get out of there but they didn't really it wasn't it really was not until within the last like few months that they started to flesh out that story um a little bit more with some of the scenes that they included here so i thought that was actually like oh we're they're, they are taking some liberties with the material that's in the manga in a good way to sort of uh flesh out some of these characters a little bit earlier so i thought well maybe mm-hmm. maybe they will talk a little bit about um sakuna's domain since they use the term like domain and domain expansion twice in the episode but they didn't which is fine because that's basically how things were rolling in the manga so i was i was chill with that Don Machi is literally the last thing on my mind for the most part. I'm kind of just like, oh, yeah, I do watch this also. Yeah. I guess I should watch it. Oh, I did the thing where I caught up on um, the end of the last season to remind myself exactly where it uh, ended off. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, like, I've, I am currently in a ambivalent mode about the series. And I can't blame you. Yeah. And I, I again, I you know, I... I have a pretty good memory for story, but I didn't necessarily remember all the presentation. And I don't know, there's just something about it where it's like in the first season things felt very consequential, and then in the second season, despite the fact that they were dealing with like much more nuanced or complicated things, uh-huh. it it almost felt like there was less consequence to everything that was happening to the characters. And I don't know, like even like the I think what pissed me off was the the last lines that the Ishtar familia woman, who now I'm forgetting her name, basically was Hestia? saying. Hestia? Well, oh, wait, what, no, Ishtar. Yeah, but, but what she was saying, the, one of her, the, you know, her surviving um, uh, familia, the, when they go yeah. to, when they're at the mansion and they're basically talking to Haruhime and they're like, oh, you know, go do what you want to do, whatever. And then as they're walking away, they have this conversation where they're like, oh, she thinks that she was a prostitute, but she never actually fucked anybody. She just thinks that she did. She just pass out. And I was like, I understand that they that line is in there because they're trying to like protect the character. Like the writers are protecting the character. But the thing is, like, it completely deflated the entire, the entire narrative. Arc. Like everything that that made it interesting ideologically and like story consistency wise was complete. Like all the air gets let out of that tire. Like also, it's fucked up. Like you, you, you have this effectively a young woman who was kept as a slave who mentally thinks that she was raped <sighs> repeatedly and then tried to kill herself. Like that was the, the, the crux. And then, you know, when the heroes show up, she's like, don't save me because I'm a worthless person. And it, there was like that weird, uh, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Like the, she would say, I'm worthless and devalued because I was a prostitute. And then the other girls in the family are like, well, being a prostitute, there's nothing wrong with being a prostitute at all. Like, it's, it's totally fine. I don't know why you're so fucking hung up on this. And so she had constructed this little ideological world about like heroes and prostitutes and blah, blah, blah. It was, and it, it was trying to get at something, but I felt mm-hmm. like because Japan itself is such a conservative culture underneath all of like the, you know, modern trappings and, theoretically like western progressive thought that's seeped in it's still a very conservative culture so it's like it's as if the character herself is not allowed to actually test any of those limits because it would turn off 
a large portion of the audience. Like if she was an actual prostitute and had actually been engaged in prostitution for as many years as is implied in the story and then comes back and is presented as a perfectly normalized character for whom the audience is both supposed to identify and then also the main character is supposed to be interested in, in bringing into his harem. I mean, he says multiple times, I, you know, it doesn't matter what you were doing. Like, you know, this is all cool. Sex work is fine, essentially. And then they wuss out at the end where they're like, well, actually, she wasn't really doing anything, but she thinks she does. And that's funny. Ho, 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 ho. Like, get the fuck out of here. This is like when they, when they, it, it would be as if you had watched an entire, um, sexual rom-com between uh, a brother and a sister. And then in the end, they're like, well, they're not really blood related. Oh, it's like, come on. Wait, I feel like there is something. Oh, they're all like that. Every yeah. one of them is like that. <laughs> it's going to be like, hold on. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. It's just like tiptoeing around a social issue, but being so cowardly that, that the author is not willing to like, uh, go to, to finish their thought. They kind of just like back out at the last minute. And to me, that's worse than if they'd never done it at all. Like they might as well just started it with, you know, Ishtar Familia is a bunch of like, they run the pleasure district. They're all prostitutes. They're down with prostitutes, but they've just kidnapped this girl who can like level everybody up and they're holding her against her will. But, and she doesn't think she deserves to live because of past trauma. End of story. They could just done it like that and it would be fine. And then you don't have to have this like strange, I don't know. Like she falls in love with this guy, and then she's like, "He's a real hero, and I'm a, I'm a whore." And like whores and <laughs> heroes are like diametrically opposed in my own head. No one else is telling me this. No one else is backing this up. I just happen to believe this. It's my hang up. Like, eh, no, get the fuck out of here. So I think I was <laughs> I think I was done with it at that point. I just forgot how much I that irritated me. Um, but the next season seems like it has nothing to do with any of that. So it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, you had the, so Genshin Impact? Yeah, so I've been playing a little bit of Genshin Impact recently. I'm not, I'm not on the gacha bandwagon. I actually don't play a lot of anime games um, at all, unless they're like fighting games or something else, whatever. And I'm also not really a big fan of the Zelda series. Um, and in, for, in a lot of ways, Genshin Impact is a gacha version of a breath of the wild of breath of the wild which is you know it's a good bones to work over and i've I've been more or less having fun with the game as it exists uh as i was playing i did start to notice some of the things that i worry about and it actually kind of goes back to some of the comments that at least we we've had about a lot of series especially um, Don Machi and others where pretty serious ideas are raised and then they're kind of like not not treated appropriately or treated in weird kind of weird ways. So okay. one of the things that I, I am not necessarily appreciating as much as an adult now is like uh, they play, they basically engage an impact without giving away any of the story for those who are really interested in it. There is this concept of like uh like like god existing and like philosophical stuff around that idea and um i was really into the story until one moment happened where the stakes for what was going on in the world 
were in my mind completely like un undone. Like I am not a big fan of when the villains kind of kick everybody's ass and then they kind of just walk away. Like I just I feel like that's such a that's such a shitty Wait, trope that needs to like did that happen at uh, at the end of the prologue. Um, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, some stuff happens. And there is a moment where I'm like, okay, well, that's the end of the game. Like, if this is, <laughs> <laughs> if this is, if this is like as, uh, grounded as it should be, moments like this shouldn't happen. So I wanted to not necessarily make this a comment about Genshin Impact, which I think is a fine game and it's fun and it's free. And if you're into gotcha stuff, I'm, you know, tentatively, uh, promoting it as, as a, as a great experience, provided you don't wager your it's life free. away. <laughs> yeah as long as you do not yeah don't link your credit card right exactly as long as you hold on to your wallet but i i do just want to like make a point about consistency in storytelling someone had said this to me and i'm a big like mm. i'm a big i'm a big wrestling fan not on the low like high key love that stuff and someone i, I was having a conversation with had made a point that like just don't book a match that where nobody can win. And I actually think that's a, that's a big deal for all storytelling. If you've got an idea, let's say you want to like raise the stakes, could be an anime, could be a game, could be anything. Don't set some shit up that just like once it happens, like it causes you to not care or the player to like not care about anything anymore. Cause like I wasn't intrigued. I wanted to turn the game off because I got bored immediately after that moment. Yeah. So. Genshin Impact. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, then right. Then again, took nothing away from the mechanics or like the other stuff that's cool about it. But like, come on, man. Like, we can, we can, we could do better than this. And uh, that's it. Don't don't link your credit card. Bad idea. Didn't they release some girl this week that people were pulling like crazy for? Oh, Klee. Yeah. So if there's one thing I'm gonna say about MiHoYo as a company, and this is my first time playing one of their games, they also have Honkai Impact. Um, which is like another action-oriented mobile game. Um, their whoever is on their like marketing team is fucking annihilating it right now. Um, I've never, I've never seen this level of like YouTube video marketing for gotcha characters ever. Like they released like three or four different videos for Klee. Um, one of which that shows off like her actual gameplay, but all of the other ones are like story videos and it shows like her interactions with the other characters and her relationships and like why she has her powers, what got her in her situation, a little bit about her past and how she relates to your story. And so I'm kind of just like, what the fuck? Like a lot of other gotcha games, they're just like, here's a new hero, here are the new mechanics. It's going to help you in PvP. Good luck. There's no PvP in Genshin Impact. Backstory and like character development is key to getting niggas to give them their money. And I don't need Klee on my team. And I've thought several times, are you sure you don't want to pull on that banner? Because, you know, you could fit her in. But then if I pull her right now, then that's all my fucking gems most likely. And I won't even be able to hit the pity banner. And then they're going to release another girl that I'm going to want. And I'm going to be like, God damn it, I pulled for Cleet. And, you know, the it's a gotcha cycle of hell. So. <laughs> yeah, avoid um, that. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have no, I have like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, trashing the game at all. And I'm not. I don't think you're trashing yeah. it. 
So you didn't play through the first. I'm assuming, no, no, because you're only like AR25. So you didn't even play through the first like chapter, chapter through leeway stuff. Yeah, I'm not even like you know into the whatever is the real story. All I'm saying is I was I thought that it was a fun game. I liked how it was presented. I was kind of getting into the story, and then like something very derivative occurred, and I'm like, oh, it's one of those types of stories where there's like no real consequence for anything, and there's no actual threat. It's like mm. it's for kids, so it's like okay, I'm. I, I'll let it go, but you know, it's took took now. me Those out of it. Get oh right, well, it's weird because it's for kids, but then it, the game only functions if you have an adult's credit card. Like, if millions of adults <laughs> aren't spending far too much cash on the this game, the game has already made over a hundred million dollars. Right? Oh yeah, right. Of course, <laughs> it's already made over a hundred million dollars, and that was before the the two week mark. <laughs> so, right. yeah. So that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, um, as far as what I've seen from Honkai Impact, because Genshin Impact made me interested in Honkai Impact's like story videos, because they animate the shit out the videos, like the the action sequences, the choreography and shit. It's really really cool. And uh, from what I've seen with Honkai Impact, like they expand the story like hard fucking core. So. Maybe there's a chance for it to be better or get better or for them to, you know, maybe shy away from that. Who knows? Um, in other news, I know what I want to talk about, and I just remembered it. We're going to talk about Power of Friendship. Yay. And we're going to talk about people who watch shows and cannot comprehend what they're watching. We're also going to talk about people with platforms who die on hills simply because they don't want to be wrong. Oh, shit. And yes, we're going to be talking about Heavenly Control and King Vader right now. Oh, shit. All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to... I'm not saying fuck them niggas. I'm just saying if you're wrong, you're wrong. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. There's nothing wrong with being, hey, I misinterpreted this. I was wrong. Y'all are right. Let's move on. If you guys haven't heard about this, basically... King Vader and Heavenly Control got on, I think, was it Twitter? I don't follow their YouTube channels, but they got on and they basically were just like, yeah, um, power of friendship. Like they used that shit so much, blah, 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 blah. Goku went Super Saiyan because of power of friendship. That's not right. That's not right. Listen, I know we spoke recently about Dragon Ball fans, but in this instance, they had every fucking right to drag these niggas. Where the hell do you get the, the, is it, maybe it's a critical thinking. Maybe they're not teaching critical thinking in school no more. I don't know. But Power of Friendship, Super Saiyan, when they literally have dropped hints, about the rage of Saiyans activating the shit. And so then they tried to go on and say, oh, hey, well, you know, it was related to the friendship. His rage was born from the friendship, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you know, Krillin also got killed several times before this Right, this, this shit, ain't got too. nothing to do with nothing, buddy. Not this true. is, it's rage. At the end of the day, it's rage. Um, I don't understand why they tried to dig the hole. They got dragged on Twitter for several days. And then it brought up, the um i wouldn't say the validity of them having a platform but like the blind following of people who have platforms because there were definitely people who commented like kanye west stands 
and we're just like, oh, hey, yeah, well, you know, you know, you don't get it. You don't understand his mindset. Blah, blah. Uh, fuck his mindset. He's wrong. Right. They're wrong. So when I think of power of friendship, I'm thinking, you know, like Naruto. Like, that's a lot of power of friendship. There's a lot of niggas in there who don't have power of friendship. But I think Naruto, um, I think kind of like Magi. Like, that kind of gives me, like, power of friendship moments where, like, oh, I'm going to do it. We're going to make it happen. And then someone tried to use Hunter x Hunter, and they got dragged simultaneously, too. Because they were, like, when Gon transformed for Pito, and they were, like, this is a power of friendship moment. No, it's not. That was not friendship. This is a tough one. You know, I, I love me my Japanese cartoons, okay? They're great. Stories are wonderful. They they give me all these feelings, so many feelings. But the thing is, as cool as a lot of them are, and as many interesting ideas and deep philosophical concepts that are raised by some of these writers or these production teams, at the end of the day, a lot of these shows are not really that complicated. They're not that complicated. No. They more no. or less tell you what the fuck is going on. You know when 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 everybody gets together and they pour they pool their wishes. And they, they think really strong thoughts about their best friends and then a thing happens. That's the power of friendship. When someone's really mad about something, that ain't the power of fucking friendship. All right. You nigga gets clapped up. That's not because you're not getting, you're not getting heated because he was your friend. You get heated because he got clapped up. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That it's is- not complicated. It's not hard. Oh my God. So- this is not, this is not like, you know, trying to interpret Sartre. Or something, all right? These are these are no. stories made for 13-year-old boys. 13-year-old boys don't fucking understand anything, okay? Except being mad <laughs> and having you know, too much energy. That's literally all it is. They can relate more to the rage and the power. Exactly. Of these things don't have friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was the pen that I stuck in from like earlier in the episode where, where power of friendship was mentioned. Because I, I thought this was just so asinine and just like dumb to be like loud and wrong about. And then for those people to have the platforms that they have and then people to basically challenge their platforms because they were wrong. And I was like, well, see, people wouldn't be challenging your platform if you actually had like the wherewithal to admit a mistake. And it's not even a huge mistake because like it's not hurting anybody. You just misunderstood something and you were corrected. But you stood in your ignorance and Dragon Ball fans have the time they have the time because they have enough time to nitpick every fucking week on excerpts that are released to them so they have the time to drag you guys yeah so i don't know like you can have a position in the community i'm not here to argue about that i'm not caught chasing i don't give a fuck i barely i barely know who these people are but i know the type exactly and the thing is like you know twitter twitter's for funds so like if you want to go out there and have all the funds on Twitter, it's all good. When people come after you, it would have been you, funny if they were trolling. Exactly right. If you want to come after you for your real thoughts, are you just wrong. Just, just take the L. Just shut up and take the L. We all done it. It's fine. It's okay. The power of friendship. That's it's. It's really not that. Hard. He killed his nigga and then threatened to murder his son and the entire planet. Like, come on, stop, stop. Rage. Stop. He's Rage. Angry. Rage. Okay. Also, what what happened when Gohan went Super Saiyan two? How'd he do it? His daddy got killed in front of him. <laughs> That's the fucking clatter. Is that power of friendship? Uh, no. They killed your fucking daddy, nigga. What you gonna do? It's the oldest fucking story ever. 
Like, don't... I get it. Anime is filled with tropes and memes and repeated ideas that are ass-pulley for the sake of, like, getting to the next thing that happens. It's okay. I, I know. We're all jaded, right? Half these niggas, they act like they, they're young. They in their <laughs> 20s and 30s, too. We've been watching this shit for the better part of two decades. Like, it is yes. what it is. But, like, there is... There's power friendship shit, and then there's you just kill my homie and my you kill my man's like that's it's on. <laughs> that's what it is. That's it. that's it. That's all it is. Um, and then maybe I have like one more thing, which in that similar vein, which it's going back to the BL stuff from earlier. Um, and it's also concerning Dragon Ball fans. I swear to God, I don't hate Dragon Ball, y'all. It's just a really, <laughs> it's just. It's just really easy to talk about oh, no. because y'all really be doing the most. But um, I just like, I, in a world where the Dragon Ball fans nonstop bitch, well, not all of you, but where Dragon Ball fans have the access to excerpts and are actively giving the, the, original, the original creator their critiques I am absolutely. I would want. I wonder what a world would look like if Toriyama was like, "All right, well, these niggas are getting on my nerves. <laughs> no more chapters. No more chapters. Wrap it up. <laughs> Wrap it up. You know what? What you get is what you got. What you got is what you get. We're done. So I just it. I don't know. It's I guess it's more so just like a, another like commentary on fandoms. It's kind of just like be thankful that you get what you get because we can't even start our fucking BL fandom for this show because they were like fuck y'all. Yeah, and I swear so. to God that I don't hate fandoms. I I don't hate them. Like as a again as someone who's dabbled in the did you get DMs? in I occasionally yes, and as someone who's like dabbled as uh. a creative, someone who likes to write. And do all kinds of other things. Like I am actually very appreciative of the other creators who have extreme patience. Like critiques are not hate, right? They just have extreme patience. Like I know sometimes I'll check out like George R. R. Martin's like Twitter or his uh, interviews that he gives, and like for someone who who low key clowns that, that guy all the time, he has the right attitude. As like as a creator about like all the because you have to understand the level of shit that you get when you don't meet other people's expectations because they've invested more of their life in the thing that you were thinking of than you did in making it is like it is it it, it could be overwhelming. It's kind of sad. It, it it is sad, but I but I, again I get it. Like I understand why someone could be really so much into Dragon Ball that you think tweeting at the. You know, the, the, the current writer of the Dragon Ball series and trying to give them line notes on like what to do, like seems normal. I get where it comes from because in your head, your experience with this thing was personal. It, it, so because it was personal, because part of your personality, part of your history, which means that the way you interact with it isn't like this, this like external third party, like uh, object that sort of exists out in the world that you're commenting on, you're really talking about what's going on inside your own mind, and like, <laughs> and you own that. So by by you know the the commutative property of being insane, you feel like you own the real thing too. And so as much as it's irrational, I get like where that comes from. So I'm not like relentlessly shitting on people with strong interests. Like it's it's it comes from a, a place that makes sense. 
But at the same time, like we gotta put our have some. You empathy. gotta go get some therapy. Come yeah, on, yeah. Put put have some empathy towards the the creators at least, if not the other fans. Because that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to show some empathy here, right? But just have the same empathy for the creators as well. When they're wrong and they make a mistake, they know. It's not like they're sitting yes. there like, oh, everything I made is perfect. You all are crazy. You don't understand the genius. I mean, some of them are, but most of them are not delusional. Like, they spend around, you know, they spend their time thinking through all the little things they wish they could have done differently or things that didn't translate well or whatever. They get it. So just, like, try to, before you send angry tweets at people, like, imagine that they're a real person. Be thankful you have the fandom to That's also true all. as well. Be thankful you actually have it. Yeah. I feel like we're going to talk about this every week. Because something will happen every week. I mean, I I feel like it was just in a row simply because I, of that news item. Otherwise, I wouldn't have really thought about it again. Um, okay. Recommendations? Sure. So I've got one this week. Um, and my recommendation is da, 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 Spriggan, a movie from 1998. Um, it is, to me, one of the classics from my childhood growing up. Those like the in the era of hand drawn uh cell animation Spriggan was mm-hmm. one of those movies where like you would hear literally you just hear whispers about it this is the age before youtube clips and everything else but there was this this completely awesome uh sci-fi action anime movie that was just sick and cool and and whatever, right? Now back then we didn't know. When I say we, this does look cool as fuck. I, I, I'm saying the the royal we, but like anime fans, if you knew about manga and you knew everything that was sort of like again, we're very used to this idea of okay, we we heard about it in a in a in Jump or some other magazine. Maybe we started reading it online, and then a few years later we find out that it got picked up. Uh, it's going to become a show, a movie. We're used to that process way back in the day how you ran across the next thing that you got into was always very random and there wasn't necessarily this idea that there was all this canonical source material that was behind the stuff that you like so for me movies like spriggan were like the staple of like what you find in your average like video rental store which now don't exist um and suffice to say it's super awesome um to sort of summarize uh the story follows a, a a young man who is extremely gifted in the combat arts uh and the 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 manga itself is he gets involved with like an organization that kind of goes around the world securing artifacts from prehistory um that are of great technological value and advancement the Spriggan movie covers the second arc of the manga now this is not something i knew when i saw it. i saw it was a cool story um but I recently found out that David Productions of all uh, studios is actually handling a, a uh, an ONA, bringing Spriggan back in 2021, which is big news for me. I don't know really anything else about the, that production, what it's going to cover, what story it's going to do, but now is a great time to go back and watch uh, the amazing uh, Spriggan movie. There's some, uh, there's the Sakuga is all over that that movie. I mean, there's lots of you like Ooh. if you like. Um, uh, gunplay, um, mechanical design, high speed action, tactical military stuff. Like, there's a really cool, uh, segment that involves a chain gun off of a helicopter that to me was like, 
it was like one of those scenes that you just play over in your head when you're a kid because up to that point it's the coolest thing you ever saw um and there's a lot of other like weird like metaphysical stuff that's involved um but the manga itself ran for about eight years starting like 89 i think it went like 89 to 96 or 97 and so i found uh-huh. that like way after the movie came out uh and i think it's it's it holds up in terms of like just being a cool cool concept but yeah go check out the spriggan movie wherever you can find it uh, i don't think that it is currently available for streaming on any major platform um but i could be wrong you could probably get it on um amazon i think uh mm-hmm. but it's really however by hook or by crook if you can find the movie go take a look at it uh it's really cool so for me um i have a lukewarm recommendation well, at least it's not a this week. At least it's not an anti-recommendation <laughs> It's not an anti-recommendation. It's a lukewarm recommendation. Um, it's it's going to be Excel World. Um, if you're not familiar with Excel World, it's actually from the same creator of SAO, Sword Art Online. And that's primarily for the same reason. That's one of the main reasons why I'm kind of like lukewarm recommending it. It's definitely not for everyone. Um, uh, the hero, the main protagonist, is definitely not for everyone. Um, uh, the heroine is, you know... Um, she, there's plenty of merchandise out there for her. So of course she's for everyone, but <laughs> for, for the, um, you mean she belonged to the streets. Yeah. She belongs to the streets. Um, but I don't know. I guess I would say that it's like a lukewarm recommendation because I didn't hate the show at all, but I definitely didn't like love it while I was watching it. I just enjoyed it. So that's kind of, was like a lukewarm because it gave me a lot of the same ish or zhuzh that Sword Art Online gave me. And of course, you know, same creators. I liked the, you know, AR, MMORPG kind of thing. And it was more, I guess it was more so interesting in this one for me because they go back and forth. Like there are like real world things going on and the AR world things going on where it's affecting them. So like they can be attacked in both worlds. It's not just like all MMO and you know, like your body in the real world doesn't matter. It's like, nah, you get fucked up in the real world. You get, you, you done for like it's a wrap. But then also similar things can happen in the Excel world. The overall premise of the show is basically they have to defeat all of the color kings and then reach level 10. And then they are trying to find out why Brain Burst was like, you know, why the game was made in the first place. Um, another, eh, I think this is more so about like the journey as opposed to like the end. And I enjoy the journey. Um, I think it's really awkward, though, as far as, like, them doing the romance kind of things. Because the guy is... The guy's not your traditional um, Japanese hunk-tagonist. He's not not anime pro-tag-coon. Yeah, he's not anime pro-tag-coon. His best friend is. True. But he isn't. So that's kind of one of the things that like interested me in it. I will say though, I really do enjoy the animation, especially when they do like kind of like the CG moments. And the movie has some really good sakuga, um, which is the only part I've seen of the movie. So I I concur with this lukewarm recommendation. We could probably like mine many weeks of content out of just shitting on Reki Kawahara and everything he's ever made or written. But what's, (laughs) what's, what's hilarious is that even though Excel World 
in a lot of ways, is everything wrong that Reki Kawahara has ever done compressed into, you know, a single series. In, in other ways, he actually was pretty decent at some of the stuff he got inexplicably bad at later on. Um, I think specifically with his oh, presentation boy. of certain types or tropes of female characterization, I think he was, uh, uh, at his least, um, author insert <laughs> when he was writing Excel World, which is odd because, like, the kind of character the main character is, is probably most like a real life manga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think maybe in an odd way, because this is a more, a more honest portrayal of what Reki Kawahara and his people would be like if they were in a show, rather than like oh the wish God. fulfillment version of himself that uh, Kirito is, that is and Kirito. was. That it's <laughs> oh a little boy. more endearing and maybe a little more self-aware. Uh, and again, it's odd because normally the trajectory is that the author writes really god-awful shit and then sort of graduates up to just okay and then maybe breaks the barrier into good, whereas he kind of started off with just okay and uh, descended from there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Excel World, not bad. <laughs> yeah, that uh, lukewarm recommendation. That That's exactly what I got for it. That's about right. Um, and I mean, hey, anything's better than Mahoka at this point. Well, that's true. And and Koryuka Hime is for the streets. Like, don't get it twisted. Yeah, no, she 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 does what she needs to do for to every wants. corner and avenue, every block, every cul-de-sac. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> oh boy, um, that's all for this week. So as we said earlier, you know, follow us on the social medias. Instagram is just regular anime savants all together. Twitter is anime underscore savants. And YouTube, anime savants, you're looking for specific segments. And we will have some new content coming very, oh boy. very, oh very, boy. very soon. Dude, will we have some new um, content? And <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> it's going to be something, all right. Uh-huh. It'll, be, it'll be premiering on the YouTube. <laughs> so get ready for that shit. For one. <laughs> Maybe the first um, and last time we do this. <laughs> hopefully not. Yeah, we're just, yeah. Hopefully we're not. We're going to fucking see. Jesus. <laughs> um, uh, you can also find me at my personal Twitter on J-B-O-N-N-T-E-R. And you can um, uh, hit me up at Neural Handshake. And that is it for this week. Why wow, this? I think, yeah, that's it for this week. Bye. Bye. Peace out, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>